Hey, hey, Torch Moms. We're back with another episode of the Torch Mom Podcast, which aims to empower moms to live their lives to the fullest, embracing their desires and passions without guilt or judgment. Through open and honest conversations, we hope to create a space that encourages self-exploration, self-expression, and self-acceptance for all mothers. Backstage, we have Ty, a torch mom, taking on risk and crushing hate daily. We're going to bring her up so we can get this torch talk started. Hey, hey. Hey, how are you? I'm good. All right. Well, I thank you so much for joining us this evening. No problem. No problem. I'm kind of excited a little bit, kind of, a lot of bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sharing that excitement with you. So we're going to get this party started. I hope everyone is ready and listening in for this greatness that's about to come. Yes, yes, yes. Let's go ahead. Open this up. <laughs> All right. So my first question for you is, what were the key steps or turning points that brought you to where you are today? Oh, my goodness. Um, turning points would have to be, there was a few. Um, most of them were in relationships, um, but becoming a mom was definitely one. That was probably the first one um, in my adulthood anyway. Um, I, as a child, I was uh, adopted by my, my aunt. Um, so that was kind of like my grandmother. She's my great aunt, so it was kind of like my grandmother and then her daughter was like my mom and all of that. Um, so as a child, like I went through life kind of like, oh, I'm going to do what everybody thought I couldn't, you know, but when you get out there in the real world, it's nothing like they tell you as a child, you know, as a child, you're like, I can't wait. I'm going to get out here and do all of this. Um, I got pregnant in college and, um, it was always a dream. I wanted to go to school, have a baby. Uh, get married and live happily ever after in that order. Like that's how, <laughs> um, so I did all of that. I got married right out of high school. Um, and then I got divorced two weeks after that. <laughs> so <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those things <laughs> uh, where you don't listen. You know, my whole family was like, this is not okay. Like, but my grandmother was so supportive. So she was just like, this is what this girl wants to do. So we're going to do it. She planned a whole wedding. <laughs> and um, I got married in my pastor's study, had a reception at my grandmother's house. And we had a whole dress and everything. And it was a big to do. And two weeks later, I was like, I must have lost my mind. <laughs> um, and I got scared. Yeah. So I think that wasn't, I was pregnant at that time. Um, but I separated from him. He made it very clear that if we weren't going to be married, he didn't want a baby with me. Um, <clears throat> so I wound up getting an abortion and reconnected with my high school sweetheart 
and got pregnant six weeks later. I thought it was a mistake. <laughs> I was like, what in the world? So I knew it was meant to be. And from that moment on, you know, at 18, I was partying. I was doing all that stuff. Um, but I had always wanted to be a mom, so I took it seriously. Um, and, yeah, I was rocking ever since. <laughs> um, later on, I think it was just different relationships that kind of made me, that, that were turning points. I, I always say this, like, I feel like I, I upgraded men every, every time I entered a new relationship because I knew what I was looking for. Okay. Um, so by the time uh, this relationship that I just got out of, came along, I was kind of already firm. I had been through so many things that I knew what I was looking for. So, yeah, but my, my daughter came six years after my son. Um, <clears throat> but I will say he was the first, he was the first thing that was like, all right, now, you know, we got to figure this out because it's a whole little human. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he's been doing that ever since for the last 16 years. I promise you, every time I turn around, that boy gives me heart palpitations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I can understand the feeling, I'm telling you. Yeah, boys are no joke. They are definitely the ones where you're like um, rethinking everything. My daughter is so easy. Uh, my son is the one that really makes me try to be better, like to give him more and more, like to make sure he's good because that boy stresses me out. But he's almost like a reflection of me when I was growing up. Um, so I kind of, I, I not sympathize. I mean, he's a mama's boy because it's just, it was always me and him, but I understand him because he is me. <laughs> mm hmm mm hmm Yeah. <laughs> You know, I have a girl, so I don't know about the boy side, but my daughter is definitely something to deal with. And you got to make sure you keep it going on so she can keep on thriving. Yeah, <laughs> you know, my daughter is 10 and she is, like I said, she's the easy one. And I mean, she's 10, but so everybody's like, wait, just wait. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, she, unless she takes a drastic change, I feel like she's going to be... You know, the one, my son, I, he's in military school now, and he's doing a lot better. But growing up, it was, like, consistent. Like, he always, you know, they say boys just jump off the porch head first. They they crack every bone. They break, you know, oh they run And he was rough around the edges. If he, he doesn't like sports, but if he did, I'm pretty sure I'd be having heart attacks every three seconds. Uh -huh. <laughs> So how do you balance being a devoted mother of two, a full-time life coach, and a property manager? <sighs> um, I, I, I guess I'm used to it. Um, I have, before this, I went to school. I finished school when my daughter was one. I graduated when she was 14. I got my post uh, before she was born, I was in school on and off, you know, being a single mother. Um, but I worked two jobs. I was in daycare. I was a nanny and I went to school uh, full time. So I guess I'm just always used to being on the grind. 
I promise you, when things settle down, sometimes I'm like, is something wrong? Like, is there going to be, like, why is everything moving so slowly? You know, like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just so used to it. And now, um, throughout the years, I have been um, looking for things to do that satisfy me. I'm good at property management. I've been doing it for uh, 13 years now, um, mm -hmm. but it's not my passion, right? So I found out probably around 2016, um, I, when I started writing my book, uh, that I wanted to help people. So I've been trying to find different ways to do that. I started a nonprofit, stopped the nonprofit. Then I just started doing it on the side. Um, last year, I went through my own life coaching program. Um, it was an eight-week session. It was amazing. And when I realized, like, this is what I want to do. Like, I can help people this way. And I feel like when you like something, it doesn't feel like work. Um, so I do it on my free time, uh, you know, I, I've been in property management for a long time. I have a very flexible schedule now. Um, I've been afforded the privilege of being able to, you know, maneuver my time. And then with my daughter, my my son also, he, he's in military school, so that kind of takes off a little bit. But my daughter, she's in every activity under the sun. She's in dance, <laughs> in the band. She has book club. She's a safety. Like, she does everything. Yeah. She, she, um, so, but I have learned over the last year also to, I guess, assert a certain level of boundaries. And she, it took her a while because she's a mom girl. Um, but I have learned to assert boundaries and she understands like right now, mommy is going to do ABC. Give me an hour and then I'll be done. And it took her a while sometimes, um, you know, she doesn't understand all the time, but I do the same thing when I'm going out with my friends and things like that. It took me a while not to have that mommy guilt, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, I, I gotta be there. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. But I have dreams and aspirations and I love being a mother. Don't get me wrong, but that wasn't my only dream. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So I had to really navigate how I could be a mom, be a girlfriend or whatever, and still do the things that I like to do, which for mm -hmm. me is just two things, shopping and helping people. <laughs> 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 I, people say it's not the time of day. I'm a night owl, so I stay up a lot of the nights um, doing material for my life coaching. And I guess I just make it work. You know, like I said, when you like something, when you like what you're doing for a living, it's not work. You know, I right. do it. I would just. I'll record anything. Driving is most of the time where I record most of my uh, content, you know. And my life coaching business affords me the opportunity to set my own schedule. Most of the times it's evenings. Most of the times, you know, moms, we're running all long. So other moms, which is who I help, their schedule, they're only free after the kids go to bed or, right. you know, while, yeah. while whoever is in basketball practice and you know all of that they only got 45 minutes to sit there so it all works out well that's 
you giving tips already at the beginning. <laughs> dropping jams. Dropping jams. I'm telling They think that being a mom means that's all you do. All day, 24-7, 25-8. Uh-uh. Listen. <laughs> I need a minute. Just one okay. minute. Okay. <laughs> Listen, like you said, once I come in, my daughter knows. Give me 30 minutes and I'll be right with you. I'll be right, right with, you. with you. And you'll realize that they're not going to die. They'll be mm -hmm. okay. They will be mm -hmm. right there where you met 30 minutes later <laughs> and mm -hmm. still love you and still yep. want to show you whatever they want to show you when they got out of school. You know, yep. like it works. Uh, when she was younger, um, she was a little bit more clingy to me. Um, but, and I, so I felt bad because she's more emotional. My son, he takes risks like me, but my daughter, she's the emotional one. You know, okay. she's real lovey-dovey. She, she likes to cling to you. She want to hug every three minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so she's that one. So I really had to assert some boundaries because it's like, you cannot sit here while I'm on this session, ma'am. Like, you gotta, you gotta go do something else. And yeah. it took her a little bit, but she kind of coming along. Now she was like, oh, Wednesday's your self care day, mommy. Okay. You know, God forbid I take a vacation, but that's another topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you took care of my next question because I surely was going to ask how you incorporate your self-care and you are doing it. And I love it because like you said, some moms think that that's all that we have to do is be a mom. No, we yeah. have to take care of ourselves so we can continue being the best mom that we can be. Yeah. And people, I tell people all the time that self-care, number one, self-care looks however you want it to look. Um, when I, when I first got out of my last relationship, I was going out all the time. I was partying. Like I was, you know, I was trying to fill a void really. But for me, it was my self-care because I had been a girlfriend uh, doing wifey duties, right? Mm -hmm. And a mom for seven years. That's all I knew. Before that, I was married for eight years to my second husband. So, you know, so my daughter's dad. So that's all I knew. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of people judge me like, oh, you go out all the time. You got two kids. Da, 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 da. And I'm just like, number one, the kids are asleep. Okay. <laughs> it's nighttime. It's not like I, you know, like I left them stranded with no food. They are fine. You know, like get a babysitter if you can't, you know, I was grateful by the time I started going through that phase, my kids were like old enough to um, stay home and, you know, my son could watch my daughter and things like that. So I was grateful right. in that aspect, but even still, you know, they still required a lot of time, but uh, when my son went off to military school or even before that, I just made a schedule. Um, I tried to be as consistent as possible. Now, not so much now that my daughter is kind of used to it. She's used to mommy having self-care days. But when we first started, I had to like tell her Wednesday is my <laughs> day. I'm going out. <laughs> and she's like, can I go? No, it's an adult party. I still have to tell her that. Like, <laughs> but 
but it was hard for her to let me go. And she had, you know, her father is in her life. He would come get her. She still want to know where is mommy going outside. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> um, but you know, that's my self-care. Some people feel like self-care is just having a glass of wine, taking a bath, all of that. You know, and I, for me that is, I also try to I also feel like the small things, like getting your nails done, getting your hair done. When I first uh, separated from my second husband, um, a big thing for me that I've stuck to since 2016 has been to always get my nails and my feet done every two weeks like clockwork. I, I haven't mm -hmm. deviated um, maybe a little, you know, if things happen, you know, throughout the week, you got to go a little, a little bit longer, but I don't deviate. Mm -hmm. I make sure that I, I get my hair done and I get my, my nails and my toes done. Mm -hmm. It's like literally incorporated into my budget. And that's how I started. Um, at that time, my daughter was two. So I couldn't go out all the time and stuff like that. But that's how I started building my own confidence and taking me time at that point. It's the hour to go get your nails and toes done. Like, go do it. You know, like, mm -hmm. I had to start mm -hmm. incorporating little stuff just so I yep. could feel good about myself. Because if you're just sitting home, not, you know, doing everything for the kids, they look good. They, you know, it makes you feel proud. But then when you look in the mirror, what are you looking at? You know what I mean? Like, right. I'm not going to be looking at a raggedy head every day. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not doing, not doing that. that. I'm just not. I'm telling you, even mm -hmm. right now, I don't have my nails done and I feel weird. You know, like what happened? You know, but as I'm going to Jamaica next week, and um, so I had to split my little schedule up. But I I do not deviate from certain things, and and people will look like, how do you do? Like, what? what how do you do that? Where do you? Where do you find the time? I make it. Yes, yeah. I make it. <laughs> make the time. Cherish your time. Make what you want to be a priority a priority. That's it. And yeah. you know what they say? People uh people do what they or what is the saying? I forgot the saying, however, you know, you, you know when you really want to do something, you make time for it. Or, you know, they say that about relationships. My relationship yeah. with myself is important. Very, very, yep. Number, number, I don't know whatever number you're going to make it, but you better make it important, make it intentional. Intentional, yeah, yep, yep. And okay, so how do you go ahead? Sorry, no, I was saying it doesn't have to be a lot forever, it can be little things, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. people think they have to do all of this extravagant stuff. If you had to go take a bath, like, in, in you know, the kids is in there tearing up the house. Okay. Go in there, let them have fun, tear that room up, stay in your room, and go take a bath for 45 minutes and just sit there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Make it happen. Make it happen. How do you define living life rather than just existing? You must have been on my page. <laughs> <laughs> you must have been 
on my page. Um, what did you post? No, that is literally my saying. That's my mission statement to help women live life rather than just exist and endure in it. That is literally my mission statement. <laughs> um, okay. So, a lot of times people think that it's this outline that you follow. And it's really not. So when I sit down with people, um, I try to figure out what living means to them, right? Because we feel like society has us feeling like we have to check off all these boxes and do it in this exact way. And in all actuality, half the time, we don't really want to do that stuff. You know, like for me, I went to school on and off from the time my son was, I think, three. I went back to school when he was three and I graduated when my daughter was one, which means my son was seven. So I did four or five years just to get my associate's degree. I used that thing. It's up there somewhere. <laughs> but I haven't used it and I didn't want it. And I tried so hard to go back to school and get my bachelor's. I really did. Every time I wanted to go back, I just, by that point, I knew I didn't need it. You know, it was just one of those things where people were doing it. It's a good thing to go back to school and get education. I was the first um, one of my mother's kids to graduate college. You know, so it's like you try to hit all these goals, but if that's not what living is for you, then you're just merely existing in somebody else's world. You know, so when I sit down with people, I really try to figure out. Mm -hmm. And one of the very first questions I ask them is if you had no limits, if there was nothing stopping you, no money, no kids, no nothing, what is it that you would do? And that's a hard question for a lot of people because they're so used to having those limitations that they don't even think what they know is possible. So um, sometimes it gets hard for them mm -hmm. to answer that question, but we sit there mm -hmm. and we think about it, you know, because for me, I realized I'm a social butterfly, you know, I need to be out in the world vibing with people, meeting people, um, you know, going out, just listening to music, going to go try new foods. That is my thing, you know, and a lot of people, and, and I love to travel. Um, and I had to figure that out. I figured out a lot of what it meant for me to live after I ended my last relationship. And I could, I had to focus on what does Ty want to do? How does Ty want to move if she didn't have to help nobody else? If she didn't have to help the kids, if she didn't help her boyfriend get back on his feet, any of that, what is it that you want to do? And I just tried a whole bunch of stuff until I found what I like. You know, and, I, and people really, um, now what they say doesn't bother me too much, but people kind of make their little remarks and things like that about how I like to go out or I'm always traveling and things like that. But that is me living. I don't live with them. Mm -hmm. A lot of people wonder, like, how can you, you know, and I tell people all the time, you make the time. Like for me, it's important that I go out. I, I go out with my friends at minimum twice a week. 
at minimum. If it's a birthday party or somebody's birthday, I can't, I don't know, you know? <laughs> but that is how I survive, you know, through my chaotic life, you know? And so for me, mm -hmm. that is living. Existing was raising two kids, going to school, being in property management um, and a stable career and still feeling like something was missing. You know what I mean? Like I, I constantly felt like and it took therapy, it took breakups, it took makeup for me to really figure it out. But eventually, once I realized what I like without being shamed or feeling guilty because of what society says a single mother has to do, mm -hmm. um, I, I made it a priority. And that's how you start living. It doesn't have to be extravagant. You know, I'll take a road trip I, and me and my ex would just drive sometimes. One of the things we had in common, we used to just take road trips. How do y'all, y'all always go somewhere? Just drive. We got to call for a reason. I don't want to put all the miles on my <laughs> Or you could just stay home, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shoot. Sometimes I just want to get out. So if it's a little ride, listen, we got a nice little back road. Take that ride. Take it all the way down. Turn back around. And get you some air. Have the windows down. You come back. You feel oh good. Goodness. And sometimes my self-care is just sitting on the patio, putting my feet in the grass. You know? But I think mm -hmm. the real definition mm -hmm. of living is really having the luxury and being able to afford doing what you want to do. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people feel like it's not within their means. And it's only because, like I said, society has this checklist to where at 30, you have to be wanting to do this. By 40, you need to have this. I still don't want to buy a house, okay? <laughs> Tia, I promise you, I hate, I. the only time I want to buy a house is if I have a husband to take care of the maintenance and stuff. And I will not let anybody talk me into buying one. You know, like that's just something. <laughs> I don't like maintenance. I don't want to fix it. I don't want to call nobody. I don't know who to call. So. <laughs> Besides the leasing office. <laughs> okay. Okay. What's well, working for you is what's working for you. But you know, it's certain things but like that. People make you feel bad. Like, oh, you're not a homeowner, but you go into Paris. And I'm like, yeah, well, Paris was my dream, not homeowning. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> so what? And I'm just like, you have, if you have that luxury, then it's fine too, you know? And sometimes I don't know, like you said, society, but renting is always good. So you can do things like that. At least, you know, you don't got to worry about certain things going crazy, 
all the extra expenses with maintenance yes. they take care of it it's incorporated into the price for the rent <laughs> you know so if there let's keep is it like a water leak in my house and it leak all the way downstairs to my neighbor house maintenance got a key they can go in while i'm in paris and go ahead and fix it and it'll be done by the time i get back okay like <laughs> but i mean for some people they have that checklist. I did when I first got out of high school. I did have that checklist. And it took me 10 to 12 years to realize that I was not, and I had everything. I was stable. I was married. I had a boy and a girl. You know, I lived in a nice big house. And I was miserable. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, like, so... I just had to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And my kids, you know, children are really adaptable. You, you know, they are resilient. And it's crazy because my kids, um, a lot of people are always like, they're so well-mannered. They do this, they do that. And they might drive me crazy, but they are good kids, you know. And I have had yeah. a lot of transitions in my life. You know, I've been through two marriages and a long-term relationship. And my kids have came along and party with me. You know, and they're still good kids. So people think that they have to live this specific life. I don't want to do that. I don't like it. I literally fight against societal norms. Unless it makes sense to me. Like, I fight against it. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> If it makes sense, then it makes sense. But if it's not making sense in my truth, then be done with then it. Yeah, then that's it. And that's what it, that's what that's what matters. If you're as long as you're standing in your truth. And like I said, when I ask my clients, it takes them a long time to figure out what do you mean? Like some of them be like, What do you mean? Like I don't have I wouldn't have the money to do, but if you did. But I would never mm -hmm. have it. But if you did, you know, what would you do? If the kids yeah. wasn't an issue, you had a nap to do whatever, whatever you needed to make sure you could do this one thing, what is it? And people just have this limiting belief because, especially as moms, we're just taught that that's all we can do. Once we have a baby... We have to focus on being a mom or the child is going to turn out to be a horrible person <laughs> and hate us yeah. for life, you know, and it's sad, yeah. but. Well, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's. You really had me lost words because I can resonate. I can resonate. Definitely. I can definitely resonate. And I appreciate you being someone that's servicing with love. I've had so many moms that I've had the chance to speak with. And a lot of you are truly servicing people with love. And I think that's the best way to have work. You know, that's the best way to get up every day and do what you want to do. And doing the things that you have to do builds the chance to do whatever you want to do. Yeah. So I appreciate it having does. someone in this world. You have, yeah, you really, and, and I operate, you know, nobody is perfect, right? Like, we all mm -hmm. fall short. I was just telling a friend of mine this today, like, I have my moments, you know, where I get frustrated mm -hmm. or where I'm not operating out of love. 
but I always bring myself back because when you are a mom, especially a black mom, um, you go through certain adversities that mm -hmm. should teach you compassion. You know, so when I'm looking at other moms, there would be times where I used to be judgmental, but now it's like, I sympathize, sis. You know, like people who even say like, I don't want to be a mom. You know, I have moms that come to me and say, I really didn't want to be a mom, you know? And it's like, they need a judgment-free zone because they're doing it. It doesn't make them a bad person, you know, but people have to feel love so that they feel safe. And when you feel safe, you thrive, you thrive. Well, you just got into the next question. So thank you. Because the question was, for, for the audience, the question was, as a life coach, your mission is to empower women under 35 to live their lives to the fullest. What mm -hmm. are some practical steps or tools that you suggest to help them overcome the challenges they may face and start thriving instead of just surviving? I, the first step, and it sounds easy, but it's really, really not. The first step is really assessing where you are from a non-judgmental place. Um, when I sit down with moms, we typically go over what they want. And most of the times you don't know what you want. You just know what you don't. So we start mm -hmm. there, mm -hmm. you know, what don't mm -hmm. you want in your life? And then we use that as an opposite um, to figure out what it is that you actually want. And then we look at realistically, no judgment for what happened to get you here or what you had to endure. We're not even going to go into details. We just look at where are you now? Realistically, not you know, and a lot of moms try to bite back, especially when it comes to the mental piece, because we all try to be strong, strong, independent. You know, we try to look like we got it all together. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a big part of it. And then after that, I really, that question, I always leave moms with, and it's homework most of the time after the first session, to figure out if they had no limits on whatever it is that they wanted to do in the world. No matter how extravagant, how big, what is it that they would do? And most of the time, it takes, they, they you know, I do sessions once a week. Most moms need that whole week. And then we go into the second session and I still got to talk them through. What is it? Tell me. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say crazy. You know, like just say right. what it is. And once we get that out of the way, you can start setting a goal. Um, and after we set goals, and all of this, people think that, you know, when you give out steps, it's just supposed to happen. You know, each mm -hmm. session is going to be the next step and the next step. And it's not like that all the time. You're going to have to um, maybe take one or two sessions to figure out what it is that you want to do or to set a goal and to make a plan. 
Um, goal setting is not just list the goals out and then do it. Goal setting, you break it. I break it down, down to literally week by week what you want to accomplish. We go six months to a ninety day plan, a thirty day plan, and we break that down into four weeks. And every week we assess where you are, you know, and that's why the plan that I offer is at least six months because I offer people grace, which is what the next step is. You know, you have to offer yourself grace and compassion because I tell people all the time to undo all the years, however you, however old you are, we're up to 35. So we at 35, you got to undo 35 years of trauma and 35 years of, you know, being taught a certain kind of way in order to now do things a different way. So along the way, you need grace. You need compassion. That's all. And um, with those three things, figuring out what you really want and where you are, making a plan and having grace. The rest is a breeze, I promise you. Uh, those three is the hardest thing you'll ever do. <laughs> <laughs> and they will take you a long time to do it. But once you get them, it's a breeze. Okay. Okay. So what does Torch Mom mean to you? Blazing a trail. Blazing a trail. I'm telling you, lighting the torch. I really think lighting the torch for other people um, is the definition. Of, I, not your definition, but I'm just saying. <laughs> when I think of torch vibes, I really think of lighting the way for other people, passing it on, you know, and, and, and that is the biggest thing. I was literally just talking to one of my friends today about a breakup that she was going through. And I was telling her my process and how I went through my shadow work and all of that. And at the end of it, I told her, I said, it's crazy because helping you or just women in general, telling them my story and what I've been through, it really helps me at the end of the day, knowing you know, being able to come to some type of perspective while I'm talking, but also knowing that the next mom, especially, you know, somebody that's close to me, doesn't have to go through that. Mm -hmm. That is how you know when you pass the torch on. Just gems, dropping them left and right. I drop all of them because they free. We all going to get to the same place. Yeah. <laughs> it's all on the mindset. It's all on that's the mindset. It. And it's free game. Why? You know, like I obviously, you know, your time, you know what you're worth. And I charge what I'm worth, but I also charge realistically yeah. women with children, you know, and who are struggling. Don't reach out for help for one, because they feel like people will take advantage or they feel like they can't afford it or they feel like people are going to judge. So I make sure to have a space where none of that happens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so then I like the torch for you, then you go like the torch for somebody else, and then we all finish at the finish line, because baby, <laughs> the journey, yeah. the race ain't easy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Definitely it ain't. Definitely it ain't. Mm -mm. 
Okay, so how do you incorporate your personal experiences into your coaching practice to help other women on their own journeys? Um, I try to be as much in my book as possible. My last relationship is very on and off. <clears throat> so I try not to use that relationship because I'm still growing and learning through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, you know, I use my relationship experience. I use the experiences with my kids. Um, I use my childhood experience and I'm really authentic. And I, I recently did a presentation moving through PTSD. Um, and I was very open about my childhood traumas and things that happened. Um, and at the end, everybody, you know, they have questions, they get feedback, whatever. And so many people are saying how they were so grateful to hear my story because then it made them feel like, okay, you know, she'll understand because I've, you know, she's been through this or whatever the case may be. So that's the purpose of it. You know, I make myself very vulnerable. I wrote a book back in 2016 about my childhood. Um, it was based off of my childhood, but it was a fiction story. Um, and mm-hmm. I didn't do it for the money. I really did it to release that pain and those memories and all of that. And through that, um, it was pretty local, like friends, family, you know, a couple outside people brought it for the most part, but through that experience, a lot of people realized like, oh, I can talk to Ty. Like she really is, you know, like she, Mm -hmm. she understand, like she down to earth, like, yeah, you know, I get this bad rap. Light skinned girls get a bad rap, man. They really (laughs) swear we bougie. (laughs) And don't talk to nobody and all of that. But, and it might be true. I don't know, but I am an open book and I make sure I stay that way. Because what I learned was people that are trying so hard to pretend like they got it all together are the most miserable. They are the most miserable. I'm not going to pretend to have it all together. I'm falling apart today. Tomorrow might be better. Like tomorrow you might see me out eating and drinking and smoking hookah. And today I'm online talking about how I'm going through a depressive state. It all works. <laughs> this yeah. is my life, you know, and awesome. I don't pretend to be nobody else. I don't pretend to have it all figured out. I tell people all the time, my last relationship, I have gone through a big transformation. Um, because I feel like he's my twin flame, like that's something I really believe in. And so I have gone through a major transformation in that relationship, but I'd be lying. If I said that it was, you know, I was perfect or I did everything by the book or my kids mm-hmm. didn't see some things that they they wasn't supposed to see or, you know, like things have happened. And so I try, like I said, I don't really dive into it a lot because it was ongoing. But I do give people gems about it. I don't know how to do it. And like, it, it's just all sprinkles and rainbows. Like, no. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, it's not. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. the best way to get people to open up to you. Yeah. Your authentic self. That's it. You just got to be your, I mean, and it's scary because you don't want people to judge you, but they only judge you from the outside. When they go home at night, they sitting there thinking about it. Like, dang, mm-hmm. you know, like, God, you know, like, she probably knows some stuff about blah, blah, blah. They really want to ask questions, but society mm-hmm. has taught everybody that if you don't have it all together, you stay in your corner until you get it all together. That's it. You know, like, you don't tell nobody your business, you don't do this, you don't do that, and you just yeah. pop out successful. And that's what mm-hmm. got everybody really thinking that it's so easy. Because people no. just popping out successful left and right. You know? <laughs> like, like what's, no. your, what's your success story? What's the story behind how you yes. got here today? Seriously. Yes. Seriously, like, tell us, teach me the game, ghost. Like, I need to know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but people really, they don't want to give it. It's like, we are so afraid to be vulnerable. And I've been burned. I'm not going to say I haven't been burned by being vulnerable. But I've, I standing in my truth is much better. Standing in my truth, being my authentic self, especially to my clients, has given me more reward than trying to hide myself from the world. Mm-hmm. It just has. Mentally, mm-hmm financially I get even in property management I get where I where I, I I've gotten where I am because I'm more personable mm-hmm. you know I, I I can afford the luxury of traveling or doing whatever I want and being financially secure all of that is because of my personality it's not it's, it's that's it it's because I've allowed myself to be vulnerable with the world. And, and and let people in and let people see me. And then those people who see me and like what they see, they offer me opportunities that they wouldn't offer, offer other people. Yeah. Simple. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard for people to do. And that's why I said it's really not just, I say simple, but it's not simple. It takes a lot, you know, because mm-hmm. it's hard when you're taught especially in a black family or, you know, in families, period, all families have secrets, you know, but you're taught not to talk about it. Just keep going, keep your head down, keep working. And then, you know, when you get successful, show off. Like, what? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, <laughs> now, what happens when you Don't tell nobody nothing. Yep. And now everybody confused. And people actually brag on that. Like, oh, I like, I like having y'all confused. I don't. <laughs> No, let me let you know. And if if it's something that you ain't seeing, ask me. I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> okay. If it's something that you know, I'm not saying I'm running around telling all my business all the time to him and her. And that's right. what I'm saying. You are. I'm vulnerable and personable to a point where most, for the most part, I don't hide my life. Mm-hmm. You know. Now the details of the the every single little detail, no. But right. my life story, I'm so proud of where I was and how far I came. Like the little girl that was working at McDonald's overnight, making I don't even remember what a one year old son being evicted, 
you know, and all of that, lights off, having a still pile from the neighbor, all of those stories help people keep going from where they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And opening up to them, you never know what the next person can offer you. You know, if, if you share your story with somebody and they appreciate your story and now they want to offer you something or, oh, Ty, I see how hard you have worked. I have, I'm a part of a, a league of women here in Baltimore and they were the first league. The, the director was the first person to really offer me an opportunity to speak and teach the women in the league. That's okay. how I really, yeah, you know, and it's like, I ain't do anything besides, you know, share my story. Everybody has a business in this league. Somebody, everybody's doing something in the league. So I'm not like special in that sense, but mm -hmm. you open yourself up and be vulnerable when people say, okay, she's genuine. Yeah. She can really teach something. Mm -hmm. And then the rest is history. God be blessing me on top of blessings all the time. <laughs> yep, that's how it works. That's how it works. And if you believe it, it's gonna happen. So and like that's the thing. You have to really believe it. And I'm not saying you don't get scared, because I get scared. You know, I I have negative thoughts. Sometimes I don't really know how stuff will work out. I just keep going and we'll see. You know, I just have an intention and I'm going to keep pushing towards it. Yeah. We're going to see how this thing play out. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's the key. You know, you just keep going and you keep being yourself in the middle of it all and blessings will just fall out. And like you said earlier, changing that, changing that state around, changing, you know, you can feel negative, you know, have however it's coming to you and then get rid of it some way, somehow, so you can keep on moving on. Yeah. You know, or even, if, even if people, you know, because some days I have to move with the thoughts, you know, some days I'd be feeling like. I'm having a bad day. These negative thoughts is just circling or I'm feeling mm -hmm. down mm -hmm. and I'm just moving with them, you know, not knowing, but then that's when the self-care comes in. Mm -hmm. And that's a big part of it. When you can find a release, Yeah, people are so busy trying to act like they don't have the thoughts or the thoughts not there, mm -hmm. but really you just need to embrace them and then find yourself a release, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because pretending like it ain't there is not gonna work. Because then, when you laying in bed at eleven o'clock trying to go to sleep, now <laughs> your brain got all those just moving. <laughs> yeah, just and moving. You look up at four a.m. <laughs> yeah, and if you don't take care of yourself, how are you gonna begin to even change your state around? You gonna just be you gonna be pissed. Gonna be pissed. Yeah. all the time and that's why i really want to help moms because we are it, it's just facts we are the nurturing ones and at the moment we are the ones that are raising our babies and that includes men you know boys into men and so 
the cycle has to stop at some point. So if we can continue to teach women how to take care of themselves and thrive, they really will be better equipped to take care of these women and men upcoming. You know, mm-hmm. if we're all just constantly living in survival mode, you know, like trying to figure it out. And all we're doing is surviving. We're not paying attention to the emotional needs of our kids. We, you know, we're, we don't want to be bothered. We now resent being a mom. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. doesn't help anybody generation after generation. It just doesn't. It, I feel so passionately about making sure that women take care of themselves by any means necessary because that's the only way that we can make sure that our children are taken care of. It really is. My mother worked three jobs. I promise you there was always food on the table, Mm -hmm. but she was an angry black woman. You hear me? (laughs) (laughs) That lady was angry, you know, and growing up, I didn't feel liked, let alone love, you know. Um, mm-hmm. We went through this whole routine. She, um, you know, she said, I love you when we went to bed at night. That's, you know, you go when you give your mom a kiss and a hug and say goodnight. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, she didn't have the time, you know, but it's because she was just in survival mode. Mm-hmm. When I went to go live with my aunt, um, she was a retired nurse. She just was home all the time. And crazy thing is, her last name was Foster, so I used to call her house the Foster Kid House. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, you know, like when I went to stay with her, I was 13, going on 14, I think. Um, by that time, you know, me and my mother, I was angry. She was angry. It didn't work, you mm-hmm. know, so... Um, when I went to stay with my grandmother, well, I call her my grandmother, she was so different. She was loving and nurturing and, you know, she talked to me. We used to have mm-hmm. just, you know, regular talks. It was such a different being around someone that was just surviving versus someone that was actually living and thriving. My grandmother, you know, we lived in a uh, bad neighborhood, but she had, she owned her own house. It was a homeowner's block in the middle of a, in the middle of the ghetto, you know, and she was content and happy with life. And mm-hmm. for a long time when I got older, I just trying to provide my kids with that. That's all I wanted to do. But I wound up realizing that I was just repeating the pattern of my mom trying to survive, trying to figure it out, you know, mm-hmm. that I wasn't really paying attention. And it wasn't until I shifted to what tie want, what does tie want, that I was, you know, now my daughter, me and my daughter have a great relationship. We've always had that relationship, but I feel like I can better take care of her because I make mm-hmm. time for myself. I don't resent her being around. You know what I mean? I'm not mm-hmm. like, oh, please get away from me. Like, I don't have time today. I fed you. I gave you a bath. Now go ahead in the room and lay down. You know, like, mm-hmm. no, I can't mm-hmm. actually sit with her and have conversations or let's cook together and then I'm going to go out or you know, anything like that, you know so Mm -hmm. I'm a pretty big advocate of 
making sure that you take care of yourself. Like women have to really do that by any means necessary. And being a mom doesn't negate the fact that you need to take care of yourself. Period. Yeah. That's it. It's, it's, it's a complete sentence for me. <laughs> That's it. So tell us a little bit more about your book. The title, every give us some juice. Give the listeners some juice. <laughs> the book, the book is called Inside Out. It literally, um, the thought behind it was it literally turned my childhood inside out for everybody else to see. Everything that I had kept in, you know, in the black community, you aren't allowed to talk about the things that happen in your household. Um, you're meant to, like I said, just work through it and keep going. I started writing the book when I was 18. And like I said, it was just to release. Um, it really wasn't supposed to be a book. <laughs> I like to write in general. It's a release for me. And before I looked up, it was an idea and I just kept going with it. And when I separated from my ex-husband in 2016, um, I was going through so much. I put all of my focus into finishing the book and I finished it in six months. Um, so my um, dad, when I was younger, he molested my sister. He went to jail for 25 years. And it basically tells a story um, from the child's perspective. Okay. Um, and it's fiction but it has some some true basis to it. You know, I tried to make it as fiction as possible so that family wasn't affected. Of course, everybody's still kind of touchy because at the end of the day, it happened. And I'm very open mm -hmm. about what happened. You know, but I also don't try to tell anybody else's story. Um, I don't try to tell my sister's story. I don't try to tell my mom's story. I tell the story in the book from the perspective of the five-year-old child who family fell apart, you know, and she didn't know what was going on. Um, and just how I grew up after that, um, my childhood was really bumpy, <clears throat> but especially after that, um, it just got really, I, I don't know the word, but it got really dark, you know, and in real life, you know, in the book, it, it speaks, it touches on different type of topics. Some of them are real, um, you know, and then some of them are a little bit more exaggerated, but it basically just touches on topics about how women who grow up with that sexual perversion or uh, distortion in their mind from um, not talking about what they saw or what happened. You know, I had to grow up and form my own thinking around sex and and love and what a, a man is supposed to be to a woman and i went through a lot of different avenues to get there and just um you know i give my mother grace now because that couldn't have been easy as a mom you know already struggling as a single mom to then find out that something like that is happening right under your nose to somebody that you trusted. And so our household was just broken. Mm -hmm. um, nobody could talk about it. Nobody wanted to talk about it. But the five-year-old little girl 
who had to grow up and figure everything out on her own. And, you know, everybody feels like children are resilient, children do this. And we are, you know, as children, we do bounce back, but we also formulate our own thinking, especially if mm -hmm. nobody is feeding us anything, you know? So I wrote the book, I published it in 2016. Um, I republished it in 2018. Eventually, I'll probably republish it again. Um, I just, I'm not, the book for me, like I said, it wasn't a means to an income. It was a means to help. Originally, in 2016, it was just a dream to release everything that I had been holding on to. When I released it in 2018, I had started a, a nonprofit called the Open Book Project. Um, and that was basically when I started helping young women. And so I released the book again to tell my story so that young women would feel comfortable with coming to the circle and talking about these things. Uh, but since then I have found different avenues to help women and, you know, I've been able to tell my story on different platforms without the book. Uh, so I just kind of let it fall to the wayside a little bit. Everybody asks me about it every time. And I'm always like, mm -hmm. all right, I'm going to republish it. I'm going to do this. But I just, you know, it, it, it's not on the top of my list because it wasn't something that was like, oh, I want to be an author. You know, it was more so like, here's a guide to what happens when you don't talk in a black family. That's all it was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, now everybody, you know, all my friends, they want a sequel to the book. They want to know what happened at the end where she gets to the adulthood. I'm like, please. <laughs> wow. So you definitely got to bring that back. I know. You publish that because people want it. They do. And, and the more I, yes. the more I start in my platform and the more I life coach everybody's always like girl you can write a book and I'm like well I did and they're like what you wrote a book and I'm like kind of <laughs> <laughs> trying to say it all yeah, shy and like, stuff yeah and I'd be like kind of I kind of wrote it and they'd be like where's the book where can I buy and I'm like there's no more copies they're like what I mean it's like it'd be a whole to do and I, it was to the point where for like in 2018, when I republished it, I wound up buying, you know, when you uh, self-publish, you can buy your own copies. So I had bought like a hundred copies right. to like sell. Okay. And I had stopped selling them. I had a box in my closet and it got to the point where I had to like go find the box of books because people were really like, I need this book. Like I need to know everything. I sold that book, them books in a couple of weeks. I don't even know. And I just never went and got more because I was like, this is not the avenue. But every time I turn around, somebody's That's like, where's the book? <laughs> so I guess that's the avenue. But I didn't. I, you know. When God tell me that it's time that that's the avenue, you know, I I wasn't intending to make money off of it, and so I think, right. and it also, 
I think the thing that jaded me was when I first published it, my family was in shock. Um, I didn't tell, I told them I was writing a book, but I didn't tell them how detailed the book was and how graphic it was. And so it triggered, especially my mom and my sister, it triggered them. Um, and I, I received a lot of blowback in the family. Everybody was kind of torn on why, you know, some people felt like, okay, this is Ty's story or, you know, this is how she released. Other people was like, hey, you don't tell a family business. And no matter how much you say, um, it's fiction. You know, everybody is like, yeah, but we know. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so... I think I was kind of like, you know, on the fence. And by 2018, I had repaired those relationships. But I was still kind of like, I don't want to make money off of our story. Um, mm -hmm. but mine, and actually my ex as well, he was always really supportive of anything I wanted to do. Um, and he basically was like, you know, but this is your story. You know, like you aren't you aren't telling anybody else's story. You're telling your story like you were a part of that story. And so it made me more comfortable with telling it. But all of that uh spelling and, and marketing and <laughs> It wasn't your focus. It wasn't your focus. It wasn't, it wasn't my focus. And I'm gonna tell you how I did the book. And then I did the nonprofit. And then I did, I just did like helping people randomly. Uh, but it wasn't until I got into spirituality and life coaching mm -hmm. that I really felt like that was my gift. And I only knew it because I want, I still, I've been doing it for a year now. Um, the life coaching, but I've been on a spiritual journey and I normally, I jump from thing to thing, you know, like I'm doing everything. I got my hands in everything, but this is something mm -hmm. that I have stuck with and that I can do in my sleep, you know, and I, I, I literally enjoy it. Like, that's how I know it's my gift. Like I literally enjoy helping people. I offer a variety of services, life coaching, um it's just one of them but i do like resume building i i do um interview coaching just different things like all of it's just helping women in general but i'll stop what i'm doing at the drop of the head to do it and that's how i know this my gift like the book is nice um if i had copies i'm being honest i would probably give them away for free because they're just to let you in on what life is like when you don't live your authentic self. When you have to break generational curses. Mm -hmm. And people always be like, girl, you crazy. You wrote a book. You need to make money. Da, da, da. But when you are genuine and serious about helping people, the money is going to come. I tell people all the time, money comes and goes. Mm -hmm. I live a great life and I don't have, I'm not rich, you know, but I live a great life. I travel when I want. My kids are more than spoiled, actually. They got more than what they need. Um, you know, I need the money. You know, everybody could use money now, you know, 
happy. <laughs> but when you do that as the purpose, it doesn't come to you. My grandmother always told me, when your hands are closed, you can't receive. Mm -hmm. I give freely and I mm -hmm. receive freely, you know? So I'll republish it, but it probably won't be on the scale that people think it'll be on. I, I just, I open it up and put it on the platform. And then I, I like I said, 2018, I think I ordered a hundred copies and it was on like Amazon and Barnes and Nobles and stuff for a while. So people bought it there. And then when it was gone, it was gone. I was like, okay. <laughs> But I it. Know <laughs> Please do. Please do so I can get my copy. I, I appreciate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go on to this next question. So, as someone who has personally experienced and, and triumphed over adversity, what advice would you give to a woman who may be struggling with their own traumas and setbacks? Compa give yourself compassion. You know, people, okay. people always say, oh, keep going. Don't give up. Don't quit. You know, those are the things you say. You know, you're strong. You can do this. There are days when you're going to feel like you don't want to do it. And there are going to be days when you probably can't do it. And that's okay. I really mm -hmm. tell people to just give yourself compassion for where you are in the process. You don't have to be strong. You don't have to accomplish it all today or tomorrow. Um, healing is consistent but it's also continuous it's it's not a one and done type of thing mm -hmm. um and when i did my talk about moving through ptsd i told people from the moment that you experienced your trauma it changed your perspective and your way of thinking for every event that happened in your life from that moment on so every trauma, every situation, every event, every heartbreak after your original trauma is something that you're going to have to undo. You're going to have to accept it. And the only way that you can do that, even when you feel like a failure, when you feel like you were stupid or you should have known better, that you're going to be able to get through that is to accept that that's how you feel. Accept it. Give yourself compassion for it. Love yourself anyway. Um, love yourself for feeling that way. Not Don't make excuses. Oh, well, you didn't know any better. When you know better, you do better. Now you, you don't have to say all of that. I fully accept how you feel. Validate your own feelings. There are days when I'm just in the bed like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to do this today. Or I spaz on somebody and I feel like crap and I validate two things. I validate myself for reacting the way I reacted and I validate myself for now feeling like shit. That's it. That's it. 
and that's the only way you can move through it. Hold compassion for yourself. If you don't start there and you just keep trying to say, oh, I got this, or, you know, people mean well when they say it. I'm not saying that, you know, people don't mean well. Mm -hmm. They definitely mean well when they say, oh, you're strong. You got this. You can keep going. You know, get back up again. You know, social media, you got all these things that, you know, people tell you to do or they got all this advice. Um, and they mean well. But the thing they don't tell you is that it's okay to not feel okay. And, and sit there. Sometimes you have to sit in your feelings. I'm not saying stay there, but only you know, and you know when it's time to get up. Today, you know, I told you earlier, I wasn't in the mood to go out. I tried. I tried to make myself go out. It wasn't happening. Now, maybe that was, you know, God's way of saying, hey, you got something to do tonight because you ain't know you had to do tonight. <laughs> but I honored my feelings. I didn't feel mm -hmm. bad by saying, oh, let me get up. You know, I can't be laying here all depressed or all, you know, not having no energy. Tired, you've been in bed all day. Get up. No. Ty wanted to be in bed today. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. Ty was not feeling our best self today. And I stayed in bed. Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of people feel like they got to push, push, push all the time. And that's good. Some You'll know when it's time to do that. But you'll also know and your body will know and shut down on you hmm. when you need to stay put. You know, and if you're not mm -hmm. feeling those feelings and then validating them and saying it's okay that you feel like crap today. Like, I feel like crap today and, you know, somebody, oh, well, you know, let's go out and have a drink so you can feel better. I don't want to feel better right now. I don't want to. I want to feel like I feel. Maybe tomorrow, mm -hmm. you know, after I get a good night's sleep and a good shower, I'm going to mm -hmm. be ready to tackle the world. But today... I want to feel like crap because if you don't sit with that and you keep repressing it, it's going to show up in other areas. I told my that's friends, what we don't want. Yeah, because then you don't know. See, once you don't, once you repress those feelings and it show up in other areas, now you don't know what's happening. You don't know where this anger coming from, and you can't associate the anger. In your mind, I mean, you could with a lot of shadow work, but instantaneously, I can't associate the anger from today with the trauma from 13 years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, like my brain is not going to automatically say, oh, you lashed out today because you still hurt from something that happened six months ago. It's not going to work that way. Where if I would have just felt my feelings then and honored myself then and released it naturally, it wouldn't be jumping out at the person that you know that just got yeah, it. Yeah, nothing to do with that. Yeah, you know, he got he got the brunt of the stick, but in all actuality, it don't got nothing to do with them. You know, you still mad about something that happened at the grocery store six months ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's the most important thing, I think especially for women, we are nurturers by nature, but we don't really nurture ourselves. Mm -hmm. We nurture our kids, mm -hmm. 
nurture our family. We're taught how to take care, especially emotionally. You know, we want a provider financially, physically, all of that, but we are mm -hmm. by nature nurturing creatures. But we don't mm -hmm. nurture ourselves. And it's mind blowing to me when I think about it because we are really taught how to take care of everybody else. And so you would think that naturally we would just you take care of ourselves. But yeah. that is the last thing on our mind, you know? And so yeah. when people are moving through trauma, it gets frustrating because like I said, everybody on social media just popping out successful and healed and ready to go on with life. But don't nobody tell you that step one could take six months. You know, just learning how to accept yourself could take you a whole season. Learning how for a long time after my life coaching session, I knew throughout my relationship that the issue was that I didn't feel safe. I, I didn't feel safe in my relationship. What I didn't know was how can I feel safe? I didn't know the answer. Like what needs to happen for you to feel safe? And I couldn't answer that. Meanwhile, I'm steady in a relationship. So you're steady going through things. And like I said, when you experience your first trauma, your perspective on everything else moving forward changes. So I'm building trauma on top of trauma. Mm -hmm. And I ain't even answered the first question in the first step yet. You know, I'm still stuck. <laughs> so, and you got to move through life. So we're learning to just move through life. Just keep going. You got to keep going. Nobody ever tells you to stop where you at. Feel that pain and just sit there with it for a minute. Don't nobody want to do that. But I'll be the first one to tell, you know, and um, I always try to express that there's a difference between a therapist and a life coach. And sometimes I always advise having two, having both, um, because therapists can always talk to you about your past and how you got there. And a life coach is supposed to motivate you to move from where you are into the future. They hold two separate purposes. A, a therapist can help you to go to set goals, but a life coach is more like your cheerleader to help you get there. But sometimes, in order to get to the next step, the next step literally is just sitting with your feelings yeah. for however long you need to. Until you meditate, pray, whatever it is that you do, and you get a feeling that it's time to move, sit there. And people don't like doing that because it makes them feel weak. It makes them feel vulnerable. Um, and we don't like that feeling. It doesn't mm -hmm. feel safe. So you learn to nurture yourself. When you're feeling unsafe, when you're feeling vulnerable, that's how you learn to take care of yourself. Because ain't nobody coming to save you. Don't nobody else know. Mm -hmm. They don't know what's going on inside of you. So they can't save you. So you got to save yourself. It's the hardest thing I'm trying to tell you. And I and I only know it's the hardest thing, not because I teach people to do it and I can see it. But like I said, growth and healing is continuous. Every day I'm learning how to grow and heal from things.
and every day something new pops up mm -hmm. that I didn't know I had to heal from. <laughs> You'd be like, Lord, like I wish it just be over. <laughs> nope. You say continuous. I mean, Lord, you know, and it's like they say growth isn't linear. Like, well, when is it? What is it? Tell me what it is. <laughs> Not happening. It's not happening. You ain't finding out no time soon. No, you might as well. Do. And that's what the, see, I, no time soon. And my patient, my my problem is, I'm not patient. I needed to be done right now. You know, like I feel like as the life coach, I got all the steps. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I know what to do. So let's get this done. <laughs> Nobody knows what's inside of you, especially if you don't even know, right? Like even a therapist or a life coach, nobody can tell you what you're feeling, what's inside of you. So it's not until you sit with yourself and accept yourself that you can relay what it is that's going on. But that's mm -hmm. the hardest part, though, because <laughs> at mm -hmm. least I know for me, I'd be mm -hmm. like, all right, I'm sad. Now let's keep it moving. <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah and sometimes you know you want that help but you're not willing to share none of your experience to get that assistance that you truly need so that's a big deal too you know and and not living so much in that subconscious mind frame being more conscious and gaining that self uh, sense of clarity excuse me will take you so much further you know yeah. So even while you yeah. are having that time with yeah. yourself, make sure that you are gaining some clarity, not just sitting with yourself being upset, yeah, you know, gain some clarity while you're going through that. I thank you so much. Yeah, no I thank problem. you so much. And don't, don't be a victim. Be victorious. Period. And that's what I try to tell yes. people like, I, I really feel like, like you said, when you're sitting, I'm not saying sit there and just be depressed and, you know, mope and woe is me. No, you need to be figuring out mm -hmm. what that feeling is and why. Because mm -hmm. sitting there with it is good to acknowledge it. But if you don't know where it mm -hmm. came from, how are you going to get rid of it? It's just going to be stuck on you like a magnet, you know, like you can't figure out how to solve it because you, you can't figure out how to stop the attack because you don't even know where it's coming from. You're just getting sucker punched at this point, you know, like, <laughs> and you can't even understand it, you know, so yeah. while you down on the ground, you got to be looking up to see where it's coming from. And I think that's where people get stuck because it gets hard when you on the ground and you feel like 
everything is just coming, coming. You, but if you just look up for a second, you know, take that time. Don't keep trying to fight back, but take that time to look up. You're going to eventually see where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. And one by mm-hmm. one, you can start knocking stuff out. You start knocking mm-hmm. it out. And then by the time you know it, you're getting back up. But we want the quick fix. At least I'll be no. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm telling you, that patience thing, shall I? You're I'd be like, man, especially in this last relationship and with my, my son in military school, it's so many things that God is teaching me patience and because. I'd be like, I'm the life coach. (laughs) I know it. Like, and so I'd be wanting all the people around me, you know, like, this is what we got to do. And Mm -hmm. you think that you do it and it's just going to work, you know, and I'm a big, I'm a big believer in manifesting, but you don't get to choose when it manifests. Mm-hmm. You continuously believe that it's coming, but you don't get to choose when it comes. And so me, I'm like, well, give me a timeline. Like, what time is coming? Cause <laughs> and God be like, girl, sit down. Damn, so man. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, I get spiritual readings and stuff done like that. And I promise you, I'm always like, what's the timeline? <laughs> And I know my spiritual advisor would be sick of me. One day she told me, she was like, listen, God doesn't want you to know the time. Like, she was just flat out. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what you talking about? He don't want you to know the time because then he feel like you're going to be focused on the time instead of the exactly. head. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You're That's the point. You're waiting on the clock to tick down instead of focused on what you got to do. I'm telling you, I was mad about it. I was like, got a nerve. <laughs> so I mean, it takes some patience, but I'm, you know, that's my that's my current dilemma right now, patience. So I'm working on it. So that's what I mean. Everybody has a journey. And as many things as I've overcome, I help with. And even I and somebody had asked me, how can I feel like I help people? How do I help people when I feel like I get stuck in other situations. And I say, even when I'm stuck in a situation, I offer clarity that maybe somebody else has a different perspective on. You know, my trials and tribulations and the things I get stuck in could be the reason why somebody else moves forward. Because everybody's not going to be stuck in the same thing at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I'm telling you my problem or what I'm stuck in Mm-hmm. And you might look at it like from the outside looking in and be like, dang, I do that. Let me stop doing ABC. And now you moving forward. I might still be stuck and that's fine because that's my process. But I just drop something on you and you're like, oh, I, I do do that. Let me stop. And now you want to your next mm-hmm. day. You know, my job is not to get mad because you done figured it out. No. Now you want to see your next thing. And maybe I didn't already accomplish that and you still working on it. We all got different paths, but everybody's going through something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So ain't it's no awesome. sense in being mad. Yeah. Yeah, no sense in being mad. Ain't no sense in trying to, you know, compare yourself because what you did already accomplish, that's fine. Now you might be on something that I that I've already accomplished. 
and I'm I right. feel like I'm behind you, but it's not it's not a race. It's not a race. Yeah, it's your own journey, and you take your time to get there to the end of the road. Mm-hmm. Well, it's time to get spicy up in here. Okay. okay. Now it's time for the spicy side of Torch Talk. I'm ready. I'm ready. Before we dive into these thought-provoking questions about relationships and intimacy, I want to remind everyone that this podcast aims to foster open and honest conversations. Our guest today has kindly agreed to discuss these intimate topics, and we appreciate their willingness to share their insights. Please note that discussing sensitive subjects requires mutual respect and consent, so we've created a comfortable and safe space for our conversation. If at any point, Ty, you feel uncomfortable remember that you have the option to skip questions or choose not to answer with that said let's explore these important aspects of personal growth and relationships together and get on (laughs) how has your personal journey through trauma and i want to say just trauma shape your perspective on relationships and intimacy um i recently realized that i'm a lot more closed off than i thought uh so i think the trauma around my dad and um just having to navigate my own sexual journey on my own my mother lord she couldn't talk about we couldn't talk about boys until i was grown okay so (laughs) you gotta imagine that i was just a young girl trying to figure it out on my own and um i was raped at 14 and i got pregnant uh through the rape and my aunt, you know, I wound up getting an abortion and all of that. But I realized that through all of that, when I got into adulthood, I had such a distorted view of what my purpose was to men. I felt like my only mm-hmm. purpose was to be sexual. I had to <clears throat> be the best in order to get treated a certain type of way. The only way that you be the best is you keep doing it over and over and over again and you get the feedback and you perfect it and you're doing some more. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. know, needless to say, I was very sexually active. You know, I, it was like one of my goals throughout Mm -hmm. high school. was to like perfect it because I felt like that was where I was going to get the most attention. That was how Mm -hmm. I was going to feel wanted. That was how I was going to get my man and all of that. By the time I got grown, I was over that. (laughs) I was over it. 
I was over it and I realized that I really wasn't building connections with men. I was building sexual connections. But I wasn't really building connections. And it wasn't until this big age of 35 that I realized that I don't build real connections with men in general. I have had three serious relationships in my entire adulthood. And two of those, I will say, I built serious connections with. And in my last relationship, I built a very strong bond with him, um, which is why I hold on to people so tightly because I don't build it often. So when I do, when I find somebody I like and I open up to, then I squeeze you like Elmira. You remember Elmira? The <laughs> she squeezed all her pets to death. That's me. Yes. I hold on to so tight and squeeze until they can't breathe. <laughs> mm. So, um, I, you know, I started to not like men complimenting me. Um, I started to not like being sexualized. It was repulsive to me. And I feel like, um, the part of the reason why I stayed in my last relationship so long was because I was comfortable with him and I didn't want to build connections with anybody else. Not because necessarily because I only wanted him. I mean, that's partly true, but the other part was I didn't want to have to build anything with anybody. You know, my trauma had really closed me off to the idea of being anything more than a sexual fantasy. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'm literally just learning now how to be more than that and how to be more than just more than just sex and more than just a tool to help somebody because i also have a tendency to enable and do for men um my last relationship he was he had an accident early on in our relationship he couldn't work, he couldn't do nothing. And for years, you know, he went to therapy and physical therapy and all of that. And he kind of worked his way back up to the top. But I felt needed, you know? I felt okay. like I had a purpose. So then when mm -hmm. he got back on his feet and he resumed his natural abilities to be a cheater and all of that stuff, um, mm -hmm. not only did I feel not need it but then i felt like what i did wasn't enough you know so now it's just more trauma more you know and more heartache and so but a lot of that dated back to already feeling like the only thing i was good enough for was to have sex and take care of you in whatever way you need it but not really figure out what i needed you know what i mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> So what sparked curiosity and interest in exploring polygamy or multiple threesomes within relationships? Um, Lord, I'm trying to think back to the first time. I don't even know. I'm trying to tell you, I, 
I have always loved me a nice looking female. Like I don't know. <laughs> I have just, just being honest. I mean, I have always like, you know, like I said, light skinned girls, we get a bad rep because they swear we bougie and all that. But I'm trying to tell you, I love me a nice looking female. And um, my daughter's father, my ex-husband, um, I think I first experimented with him and it was cool. Um, I felt a little insecure um afterwards but i think that's just because we didn't really have boundaries like of you know after the fact what he do he was playing in her head he was laying there talking he was playing in her head and i think he started having sex with her without me and i was like wait a minute this wasn't part of the rules mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know but i was also younger too um but that was probably she was one of the first girls that i was like I liked her without him, you know? Okay. So it was kind of, it. I, that's when I first was like, all right now, okay, you like this, you know? <laughs> and um, then I met another girl and we did it again. And me, I mean, uh, me and her hit it off. And then I think I just realized that I like both, but I like relationships with men. Okay, I like to have sex with women. Um, I could never be in a relationship with a female, but I love to look at her. I love to watch her, especially if it's my man that I'm watching with. I don't know what it is, but it's like, hey girl, like, is it good? Is it as good as you, as I think it is, or am I crazy? Like who, like validate me. (laughs) Am I just in love with this man or is it really good? You know? And that's how I, but it's always been with friends or people that I was close to and trusted enough to know that they wouldn't try to take him from me. Or even if we did everything together, it wasn't a competition. And my last relationship, this most recent one, um, it was different. You know, it was also different because he's a lot more attractive. Um, the sex was way better and he's mm-hmm. a lot more, uh, flirtier, you know? So we used to go out and flirt with women and, you know, that's something that me and my ex-husband never did. And so it's like, you know, we opened up a whole new door to something and I was kind of just feeling through it. Like, mm-hmm. all right, you know, this feel good. I like it, but the issue came because it wasn't with people that I felt like I trusted. And I also didn't really trust him, you know? So when Mm -hmm. you don't have that set foundation, you know, Mm -hmm. it was more so a compromise for us because, you know, he was doing things on the outside and I felt like, okay, not, not that I was doing it for him, but I felt like it was a good compromise. Like I like women already. You obviously like women. So mm-hmm. let's just like them together. You know, <laughs> it right. seems like an easy fix, but we had mm-hmm. already had trauma, you know, in our relationship and broken mm-hmm. trust. 
So it wasn't an easy fix. It actually created more insecurities. Um, and normally, whereas if I, if it was with somebody, a female that I trusted, um, I wouldn't mind the conversations and, you know, outside sex and whatever. Without the boundaries. Yeah, but because we didn't have that trust, I did, I wasn't comfortable. But mm -hmm. that was also the time where I was still trying to identify who I was and what I was and not mm -hmm. doing it because of somebody else. So um, I enjoy it. I mean, even to this day, when him and I discuss it, um, it's something that we enjoy. I enjoy bringing in women and we can go on a nail date and you know we can be cute and cool and when it's time to hook up it's time to hook up i honestly didn't mind him talking to to them that person or whoever it was um but it has to be with the right person mm -hmm. i don't like my spot feeling uh what's the word compromised I ain't no mm -hmm. competitor. I ain't never played a sport a day in my life. I don't like competing. <laughs> so, so I'm not one of them people. But if I could find the right person with the right man that I trust, like it's a whole big thing, I would mm -hmm. do it. If I, was, I mean, I haven't thought about like living with another female, like the whole big polygamy thing. Like a polyamorous type situation, or just threesomes all the time, it's good for me. I mean, we could go out to dinner. We could mm -hmm. <laughs> just have some chill time, too. Right. Yeah, like I'm good with all of that, but I just, I'm really big on trust. Um, mm -hmm. I think that was the biggest thing in my last relationship. Like, we are um, soul tied, really, but. Um, we don't have trust. And when, you know, we we like a lot of the same things. He loves the fact that I love watching him with women. Or just when we go out to a bar, I amp him up to go flirt, go get the girl. I could be at a bar and be right. like, babe, you got to come here and get the girl number because I'm scared. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, you know, when you don't have trust, all of that sounds good until you wake up from that that sexual part. You know, you wake up the next morning, you know, or when you're not in the bedroom, you and you don't have that trust and that foundation, it's not mm -hmm. gonna work. You know? Yeah. But I feel like I've liked women. I can't even I please, I don't even know. It wasn't high school though. I'm I know it was when I was grown, but um, it might have been high school. I might just been suppressing it. <laughs> right. Keeping it suppressed. Uh, Acting like you didn't know it. I'm telling you, I worked in a daycare and it's all women. You know, we all in there. And I just was looking at all of them like, hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> How y'all doing? <laughs> Look, trying to be normal and shit. Mm. Trying to be normal. How do you bring it up? Like, how do you bring it up to your coworker that you really want to be in the bedroom? I honestly don't know how 
it came out. I just know the first two girls that I ever did anything with came from work. Like came from one of my jobs. And I guess I just had the conversation. I'm a big flirt too though. So I, I love to flirt. My ex always say, he always be like, you a flirt with a homeless man. He just think I, he just, oh my goodness. I just, I'm friendly. So I make everybody real happy, you know, feel good around me. And sometimes mm-hmm. I just, if you bite, then we bite. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey. So. Navigating the conversation, right, with someone that you would partner with, like you said, you wouldn't know what to say. So are you still at that point now today if you wanted to address someone, you know, and bring a non-traditional relationship dynamic into place, you still would feel uncomfortable putting yourself out there? Or will it still have to be someone that you know? Um, no, and I think actually, uh, most recently I was at a bar and it was a girl, and oh my goodness, I just couldn't, I couldn't stop myself from looking at it, and I'm like, she was with a group of girls, and this is when me and my ex were still talking. I took the I took a picture of, it and I was like, look. It's a girl here that I really, really want to talk to. I'm like, look at it. He's like, go over there and talk to him. I'm like, uh-uh, I can't do that. He's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I can't go talk to her. with a whole group of girls. I can't do it. I just took a shot. And then <laughs> her homegirl, it was her homegirl birthday. So her homegirl had came over to the bar to get some shots. And I'm famous for paying for some shots, honey. I'll pay for a drink, a meal. Send you a couple shots over there. I know that's right. <laughs> I wound up uh, asking her first. I was like, you think your homegirl? I said, you, you know, do your homegirl, you know, do she like girls? She said, I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. But, you know, shoot your shot. She drunk. I'm like, are they all drunk? Okay. So I go over to the table. Hey, what y'all drinking? I'm going to go get everybody a drink. It was like four of them. Go get everybody some shots. I'm back. Everybody taking their shots. They all talking about the shots. Ah, oh, and whispered in the ear, you know. Now, she didn't invite, but that was the first time that I had ever on my own went and talked to somebody. And it wasn't as bad as I thought, but I like doing it. With, I get more of a kick out of it when it's with the person that I'm, you know, like with my partner. Um, I specifically, okay. like, I think that's why me and my ex really, um, we robbed in that department, like the sex department in general. We were open to so many things. And okay. um, I just really liked, I like the men to kind of take the lead and dominate a little bit. So you go over there. I like to watch him flirt. And it's so weird. Like people be like, that is so crazy to me. You want to watch him talk to other girls. And I'm like, it's sexy. (laughs) 
hella kick watching my nigga go over there and be like, oh, you know, like he didn't even have to say, he don't really most of the time say nothing about me at first. Like he just go over there, flirt with a little bit, or she might walk over, he'll say something slick to her, and she laugh, mm -hmm. and then we know we got it in the bag, you know? <laughs> And that's like, yeah, it just it, it makes me feel better because if I'm there with him when a female, you know, when he approaches a female, it's just you already know what the dominant is, what the vibe is. It's no guessing when you see us mm -hmm. together and he got hurt with you, you know, versus he by himself and find a girl, she might have hopes of it just being empty. She's gonna play along with it, you know, just because she wanna really get close to him and vice versa. I might meet a girl, like I've been on dating apps and you know, met a girl and she really just only want me, but she gonna allow my man to be there because she really want me. So people have all material motives. So I just like it when we all together. We all feel the vibe mm -hmm. out together and we know what the, you know, and I don't have rules in the bedroom or anything like that, but I just like it when everybody knows what's going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we know what this is. We know how it's set up. You know, I'm the girlfriend and you coming in and, you know, all right. of that. There's like, no misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. I like it better like that. Yeah, I don't, I so we don't have to have no problems. Exactly, we all understand what's going on here, you know, and we mm -hmm. can all vibe, and they don't even have to really be a conversation. They just, you know, like I said, I don't really have rules as long as that's the dynamic and that's how we going into it. I'm, I'm open, but to go and just be like, oh hey, you know. Me and my man think you nice, or I think you would be nice to go home to. I need a couple shots first. <laughs> I need a shot or three. There you go, buying them shots. There you go. Well, at least you are definitely a mom that likes to have fun. You're comfortable with yourself. You know what you want, you know what you're going to choose, and you know what you're not going to choose, and you know what you're not having. Okay? Yeah. And, and like I said, talk mom, take on risk, and crush hate daily. Crush the haters, take your risk, and live your life, and be yeah. comfortable. And that's all it is. And you know, it was hard for me to open that door, or to even tell people that um, that's something that I enjoyed. Or even open it up to my friends and telling them or inviting them into that circle because right. people judge you, you know, and even you can be as comfortable as you want to be with yourself, but nobody likes judgment. Mm -hmm. So it, 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 it was kind of hard for me to have that topic, especially because people like, and you wonder why he cheated or, you know, like people have their opinions about how your relationship should go or what should happen but at the end of the day number one the cheating that he did wasn't because of anything that i did or didn't do and that's one of the mm -hmm. things that you have to 
established within yourself at some point. You have to understand mm -hmm. that when somebody makes a choice, it's, it has nothing to do with you. Yeah. <laughs> Number two, our dynamic worked for us. You know, um, we, that's how we keep our relationship spicy, if that's Nick. what you want to call it. You know, like we keep it lit. Like that's how, because we, that's something that we enjoy and other people don't have to understand it because it's not their situation. But right. a part of me, yeah, but a part of me being open and, you know, open book and trying to be vulnerable and honest about life and my, and my you know, uh, trials and trauma, I have to open up all parts of me. I can't just hide certain parts so I won't be judged here or you know, won't, you know, I want people to kind of stay out of this part. No, you got to open it up to everything. And so when I talk about that whole polygamy thing and, you know, threesomes and all of that, people really be like, mm -mm. you won't be surprised how many people like really turn their nose up. And I just, you know, and I try to explain to them, like, it works for us if, you know, you set those boundaries and we have other issues or we had other issues that didn't have anything to do with, you know, where we were compatible at, you mm -hmm. know, but like I said, when your foundation is off, but that whole thing, the, the threesomes and the experience with him um, and my ex-husband, it just helped me to see that that's something that I like in my relationships. Um, so in my next relationship, I probably would still do it. And what man gonna mm -hmm. say no? <laughs> Who gonna say no? Who gonna tell me no? <laughs> I mean, I doubt it. Just, I if doubt it. Saying, you know, people have their own thoughts like, oh, you only do it because, you know, people who didn't know that I did it before my last was like, oh, well, you were doing it just to satisfy him because he, no. was, he cheated or whatever. And it's like, no, like I'm pretty secure in myself. I know what I like and what I don't like. I'm I'm pretty big at my age, you know. <laughs> like I know, I know. So I know, like in my next relationship, like that is probably something that I'm going to want to, mm -hmm. you know. I I I've never thought about like an actual three person type polygamy relationship, but I definitely be. But definitely but three of all of that. I'm gonna need that. Keep I'm it going. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm gonna need that. <laughs> Keep it going. Keep it going. Like, I'm gonna need this. Like, let's negotiate yeah. this in the contract. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna talk about this. Let's talk about this. Look. Put this on the table. Put it on the table. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, how is anyone supposed to know what you like if you don't say? Yeah. And I think people are just afraid to um, be open. And I know for me, even sometimes for me, I question opening up Pandora's box. You know, especially mm -hmm. since um, with my ex, we had already had infidelity issues. So okay. opening up that door was in the words of some of my friends asking for trouble but at the same time i knew it was something that i enjoyed and so like you say you take a risk 
You you do mm-hmm. what you love and you stay in your truth. And what's going to happen, it's going to happen. I mean, because mm-hmm. if a man want to mess up the opportunity to have two women whenever he want, that's on him. <laughs> and it ain't got nothing to do with me because... I'm doing, you know, I'm doing anything that any man would ever want anyway. So if he going to mess that up, that ain't got nothing to do with me. And for a long time, I put that on me. Like, yeah, I did it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm, you know, I opened up Pandora's box and da 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 But, you yeah, know, no, I mean, the right person no. don't want to do it with you. And they'll, and they'll respect the boundaries, you know. And like I said, I don't really have a lot. Boundaries, especially the bedroom. It ain't a, it ain't a mm-hmm. whole lot of rules. Everything goes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Because now just, you know where to set them in something like this to make sure that things run smoothly. Yeah, it, it's more just about guidelines. I feel like rules, like people be like, oh, they got guidelines. They can't. <laughs> yeah, like just a guideline, and, and that's really between you and your partner. It's not between all three. You know? The person that you're bringing in just has to follow the guidelines. You and your yeah. partner have to be the ones to come up with those guidelines and respect mm-hmm. each other's boundaries. You know, and be on the same page with the guidelines. And be on the same. And and it's, and it's crazy because you can be on the same page, and I'll say it gets um, it gets sticky within the moment right i had a friend had a mutual friend and um we went to my ex house me and her he was at work we was waiting for him to get off by the time he got there and we got the party started without him and he was in his feelings about that you know so it's like um you learn as you go Cause he really felt the type of way. Like, how you gonna bring somebody to my house and then get started without me? And in my mind, I'm like, I mean, I don't know. We was all gonna get to it eventually, <laughs> you right. know. But when you do not, so that's just all a part of like the communication and kind of mm-hmm. laying the guidelines. And sometimes you don't know what you don't like until you do it. I had yeah. um, opened up to him and told him he had met a girl on one of our breaks and he liked her. He wanted to keep seeing her. And I didn't want anything to do with her because, <laughs> you know, I'm territorial at this point, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was clear that she wasn't going to want to do like all three of us. So I agreed to him it's just being separate. Um, and that lasted for all of 72 hours. I don't know. <laughs> but that's when I realized I didn't like it. You know what I mean? Like, you don't, mm-hmm. like, you don't like until you try it. And I think Gave it a chance. about us. Yeah. And I think the best thing about us is that we tried everything. You know, whatever. We was both open to all of it. And what doesn't work. We said, I after I don't remember what happened. I think he went over there. I knew he was going. I was cool with that. I think he fell asleep, and I didn't hear from him till the next day. And I was like, yeah, I don't want this. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it no more. That's it. And so, you know, that's how we, you know, that's how we figured out what we liked and what we didn't like. So now going into another situation, I don't know 
I don't want it to be separate. I need everybody mm-hmm. in the same pot boiling together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now it's an understanding going on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. Well, I enjoyed a spicy talk with you. I thank you so much for being transparent and being willing to answer the questions and share a little bit more, you know, about no what you go through and what you experience. Because like you say, a lot of people don't choose to be open, you know, and be transparent with other people. You know, like you say, society makes it, it seem like everything is supposed to stay in that box, but it's your choice. It's it's yours to share if you choose. So and it don't have to be a box. Shucks. Make a triangle. Get an octagon. I don't care. make it what you want it to be right so is there anything else that you'd like to share no um no that was it i mean you kind of you know that spicy talk was spicy so (laughs) all right now all right now well if there's nothing else that you would like to share with the audience, is there anyone that you'd like to give flowers to? Yeah, so um, for starters, she's no longer here, but I do feel like my aunt, um, she passed away back in 2014. She's a big reason and a big uh, part of why I do what I do. Um, when I was growing up, I felt like I was in that box. Even as a child, I had to stay in a box. It wasn't until I went to go live with her that she helped me to see that it's okay to be your own person. She used to always say, even when I got grown, she was always like, you going to ask for advice, but you definitely going to do what you want to do. And she was okay with that because she was like, you know, you learn by doing and some people just learn by doing. Um, so once I accepted that about myself, I was able to move forward. And so she was a big part of that. Um, and my kids, man, especially my daughter, uh, my son, I love him dearly. And I don't have favorites, I promise you. But uh, my son is more of me when I was younger trial by doing type thing and my okay. daughter is so emotional and she's so loving she gives more of that my my aunt feeling um and they both bring two separate sides out of me um and i see myself in them and so without either one of them um i probably wouldn't be able to really even do this journey because some days i don't want to get up you know Um, But my daughter, because I live with her, um, you know, we live together on a regular basis. My son is away. She has really challenged me by being a little girl alone (laughs) to be better so that I can show her better. You know, Mm -hmm. and it's not always about having things or putting them in all these activities and things like that. Like, we just have genuine conversations. Um, I allow her to express herself. She has taught me how to just really be 
how to raise a human. You know, my, you know, my son was my a trial and error baby. I always say that to him. I said, you was my trial and error baby. You know, we learned, we got it out the mud together. We didn't know <laughs> what to do. But with my daughter, she is really helping me to cultivate um, what it means to raise women and just raise children. And then, uh, you know, my 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 ex who was really a, a friend, but you know, we are on different journeys. Um, he'll probably be surprised that I'm thinking him. But in real life, um, he has been a big support system over the last eight years. And because we are soul tied, we have grown a lot together. And I have learned so much just from the relationship and the friendship aspect. Um, his family has been my family. I've just, it's just been such a great experience and it hasn't all been fun and easy. Hence the reason why we access. <laughs> but without him, I probably wouldn't be doing this because that man pushes me to do whatever I set my mind to. I probably wouldn't have applied for this without him giving me the confidence to put myself out there on a platform or even be a life coach. When I told him, he every time I told him I want to do something, when I told him I was opening up my nonprofit, he was right there making sandwiches. He was donating to the nonprofit. You know, when I told him I wanted to be a life coach, he, what classes you need to take, what you want to do, you know, like it's always. And we were speaking right now, I think when I did my first presentation, he was like, well, what's the link? How do I sign up? I was like, it's only for women. He was like, oh, well, forget y'all. You know, so oh. I know we were speaking. <laughs> I know we were speaking right now. He'd be like, all right, well, what's the link? I'm going to be in the audience. You know, like, so he really That's pushed me. To yeah. And so just those people. And I mean, there's a host of, I have a very small tribe. Of people and they know who they are um, but those people push me to be better every day and uh, you know even when I'm not feeling my best self I get random texts and I know it's nothing but the universe you know to let me know hey you're doing an amazing job I just wanted to let you know I literally get those all the time so oh. to those thank you thank you thank you well, that's lovely. That's lovely. Well, you guys get your flowers today, and I hope they definitely appreciate them. Thank you, and thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Like, you don't understand. I hope I get to be on your panel in November. All of this, this, this is an amazing thing that you do. And I am really excited to be a part of it. Well, I thank you so much. Thank you for your kind words. And I will definitely keep it going for more women like us, you know, so they have a space to say what they want to say and feel yes. about it. No guilt behind it. Yeah. So again, I thank you so much, Ty, for giving us the opportunity to share space with you tonight. And the time and energy was amazing. And again, I appreciate your spirit. I loved it. I loved it. Thank you. 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 Th
And thank you. That's my favorite word. I just love it. Because <laughs> love is everything, especially when it comes in the form of agape love. You have to spread yeah. the love in this world. It's not enough of it. No, that's not. You have to lead with love all the time. And I really wholeheartedly believe that. And when you meet genuine people, you just know. You know, when people have pure intentions just to help people for no, none of their own personal gain, you know it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to close out by saying negativity is forbidden and energy is power. Didn't have a backstage pass to check out the live stream. It'll be available for viewing on our YouTube channel, The Torch Mom Podcast. So be sure to subscribe, like, and share. If you have experiences or questions to share, send us an email to thetorchmompodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at the Torch Mom Podcast. Remember, everything you desire, you already have. We love you. Stay Torch. Good night.